there's a fear in the nonprofit space that what happens if I measure this and it's not positive? There's a mm. huge fear and they pull back. And we've, we've had clients that are like, we are terrified to publish any information. And the reality is donors only care that you're trying. Welcome to the Responsive Nonprofit Podcast, brought to you by Virtuous. Responsive nonprofits are the organizations thriving in today's ever-changing fundraising landscape, leading with innovation to grow giving and impact. Join us each week in spirited conversation with the leading voices across philanthropy, fundraising, and nonprofit technology. Subscribe on your favorite station or visit us over at www.virtuous.org backslash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Virtuous. Are you stuck using outdated, slow, and redundant technology to power your nonprofit? It's time to make the switch. Virtuous gives your organization the fundraising, volunteer, and marketing tools you need to create a more responsive donor experience and grow giving. Want to learn more? Get a personalized demo today at virtuous.org demo. That's virtuous.org demo. Welcome back to another episode of the Responsive Nonprofit Podcast. Here on the podcast, each week, we talk with guests to help nonprofits become more responsive. And as a reminder, when we say responsive, we're talking about building hyper-personalized relationships with your donors. It's about meeting your donor where they are on the donor journey so that they can see themselves and actualize impact with you. And today I'm really excited to be joined by John Mark Vanderpool from Social Impact Solutions. He is the co-founder and they really specialize on how do you measure impact? And this is critical in being able to not only meet our donors where they are, but to help invite our donors closer into our mission so that they can see the impact of the gifts that they make. John Mark, welcome. Excited to talk today. Brian, thank you so much. Thrilled to be here. Appreciate you. Well, before we dive in, just give us a little bit of background. Give us a little bit of context. Tell us about what you do at Social Impact Solutions. Absolutely. So at Social Impact Solutions, we help organizations measure and then market their social and economic impact. The reason why we focus on social and economic impact is because as of the last five to seven years, impact data became the number one reason why donors give. Is a very much an aligning activity. Donors want to fund impact. And the other side of that is it's exactly the way that nonprofits can improve their programs, get greater impacts for themselves and for the people and causes that they serve. So it really is a fabulous way to align donor interest with nonprofit mission. How do we measure and market that impact more effectively and then communicating that impact to different donor types along the way? Mm. I love it. I love it. And it's really, really critical within the responsive framework, right? So before we can even better listen to and connect with our donors and ask them to make the right step at the right time, we have to have the data and the metrics and the visibility into impact in order to take them on the journey that we want to take them on. It's a super critical lever to everything that we do. And I'd be kind of curious, you know, for you to dive into like, let's just kind of take a pause and look at what is the current state of the sector? 
what are the challenges and pain points? Like what's the rising tide we're fighting against in terms of how to overcome this? How do we overcome the inertia to have better access to visibility into our impact measurement? Yeah, that's a big one. So there's a lot going on there. I think the biggest trend that you can really hang your hat on is that donors have become much, much more sophisticated when it comes to understanding impact. And this comes from a great place. This comes from donors seeing themselves as changemakers. So donors view themselves as capable of creating meaningful change. And what they're looking for are partners being nonprofit organizations, nonprofit organizations and other types of social enterprises that they can then fund to go and create the kind of change that they aspire to create, which is a great thing. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. We want to encourage and enable more of that. Now, what's been challenging is how do you actually track the kind of impact that your organization creates? And there's a lot of confusion around what does impact actually mean? You know, the idea of impact a lot of times has financial connotations. It can have social connotations. And just to be very clear, what impact is, it is the short-term and long-term outcomes of your nonprofit's programs. So just thinking about it, zooming in, whatever kind of organization that you are, there is some kind of change that you're seeking to create. Mm -hmm. We want to be able to quantify that change. What is that change? And then you really want to start tracking that short-term, mid-term, long-term, so one to five plus years. If you can go further, fabulous, but you definitely want to start somewhere. Mm. Yeah, and I think you present some pretty staggering statistics around the need for access to this kind of data, right? Like the one that stood out to me was 97% of major donors state their number one reason for giving is understanding an organization's impact. They cannot be underscored enough. And this is why I view, not just myself, but many others, we view impact data as this. It's a lever that you can pull that yields disproportionate returns. Does it take mm. work? Of course it does. But if you can pull that lever, if you can really hone in on what is our organization's impact, all of a sudden, we are now presenting ourselves, if I'm speaking on behalf of your organization, we are presenting ourselves to funding types that may not have existed for us before. So it's very, very common. This is sort of the, the unfortunate sad news, but it's very common for family foundations, major donors, but this is true with millennials and Gen Z, also just very mm -hmm. impact-focused people. They stop funding an organization simply because they don't have any impact data to justify their gift. And that's what mm. this boils down to, is that donors are looking for three things to help them justify the gift. The social and economic impact that your organization creates, number one. Stories of transformation, number two. Like what are the actual stories of transformation? Everyone's familiar how helpful transformative stories are for fundraising. But then the third thing is helping donors see where they fit in the ecosystem that your nonprofit occupies in the world you're trying to create. Mm. That's sort of the trifecta. If we can measure the impact that we're creating, communicate that impact through stories. So we love say data-driven stories of transformation, but also with the responsive side, communicating to our donors how important they are in the world that we're trying to co-create together through this organization's mission. Yeah. So if I could kind of articulate this on a spectrum, I'm going to add a net new word to this just for the, you know, so humor me here, Love but it. right. Like we can't market without measurements. We've got to start at measurement. Measurement informs our marketing and how we communicate the stories we tell, but the latter half of this is all about transparency. Yes. 
right? So it's being very, very clear and transparent with our donors. I love this idea about where they fit in the ecosystem. We don't have to stray away from holding our cards too close to our chest. Like transparency is actually the key to unlocking giving. So I think what I'd actually love to do is I'd actually love to start, like we can start diving in a bit practically on how do you navigate that spectrum? How do you mature from measurement to go to market? So let's actually start there. So like, can you dive into and share with folks, like, what do you actually mean when you say impact data? What does that entail? That's such a great point. So let's just go ahead and get the cat out of the bag of where does impact occur? It occurs inside of your programs. It is your operations department. Impact is not inside of finance. It's not inside of accounting. It's not inside of marketing or development. Although marketing, development, finance heavily rely on impact data so they can do their job, just like you were talking about. It's inside of your operations. So impact lives inside of your operations. And the way that we can really start to identify what it is, there's a great framework that please hear me say, we did not come up with this. This is a very widely known thing. It's called a theory of change. And so it's a logic model, if anyone's familiar with what logic models are. And it is the theory of change of, okay, we want to create some kind of change. Now let's mechanistically break this down and then reverse engineer all of our activities that would create that change. And so theory of change is broken into inputs, activities, outputs, and outcomes. Let's start with the most important being your outcomes. It is what are we trying to do? Like, what is the purpose of this program? What is the outcome that we're trying to create? And what that means is impact. Outcomes are synonymous with impacts. So if we think we're trying to increase the quality of life for residents in XYZ location suffering from XYZ, you know, malady. Okay, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to increase their quality of life. Well, we can build programs around Mm -hmm. those kinds of needs. And so what most people do is they, they have these ideas. Okay, cool. We see this huge problem. We know we need to solve this problem. And then they start saying, great, we're going to start delivering 15,000, you know, we're going to serve 5,000 people a week. That's what we've done. Well, that's what's called an output measure. Mm -hmm. Instead of focusing on the outcome, we focus on the output and the output really is exactly what it sounds like. 5,000 people serve 20,000 meals delivered, you know. 15,000 mothers born in this clinic. And those are all great. We absolutely need outputs. But your funders want to hear what are the outcomes of your program. And that requires Mm -hmm. a different kind of measurement. It requires following up, following through. It requires taking baseline assessments of where people are when they enter into your program and then following up with them to see how different does their life look now that they've got through your program. Interesting. I want to ask you, like, what is your sense? And this is like a maybe an overgeneralization, but what would be your sense on across the nonprofit sector? Where do nonprofits really excel in the theory of change and where's the opportunity? The opportunity is you see this more with large scale organizations. They start tracking outputs on an annual basis. And so let's just say it's a, I'm not picking on any organization or organization type, but let's just say it is a, a Meals for Wheels kind of organization. We delivered 100,000 meals in the month of November. That's a wonderful thing. Right? That is a fantastic yep. service that they're doing. Love that they do. But they usually stop there. And if an organization measures anything, they typically just measure output. But I will say most organizations don't even measure their outputs. And this is mm. due to 
insufficient technology inside of the organization. They don't have project management systems. If they're tracking anything, it might be on an Excel spreadsheet that lives, you know, it lives in an inopportune location, right? It is not close to the field. The opportunity for every nonprofit is let's start tracking the long-term effects, the short-term, mid-term, and long-term effects of our programs so that mm. we can actually then respond to the needs of what our funders are looking for, but also what our employees are looking for. People join nonprofits because of the impact that they create. Volunteers give their time to nonprofits because of the impact that's created. Donors give because of the impact. All stakeholders, we all give our time, money, or resources to nonprofits, not because of how many outputs are served. It's because what are the long-term outcomes and impacts of the organization? Mm. So would you say when we talk about outputs and outcomes, I'm going to articulate this. I just like quickly top of mind, one of our customers comes to mind, a rescue mission and homeless shelter in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Awesome. Now, the outputs, X amount of people served in a given month or year or period of time, you know, number of people that found like equitable housing because of the services provided by the mission. You could quantify meals. You could like, there's a lot that you can quantify, but a lot of that feels really macro. So I just want to make sure that I'm thinking about this correctly. So when you're talking about outcomes, I think the way that I'm translating it is it's about humanizing our outputs. Is that correct? So it's actually, it's not only looking at like, individual stories of transformation, right? Like there is a human being with a story and a heart and someone that's experienced incredible change in their life because of a service, right? So there are human beings behind that 5,000 people serve number. So would you say that like, are all outcomes one-to-one or can outcomes also be articulated in like sub-trends and patterns that get tracked when we start looking at okay, when someone leaves the shelter, what do we know about maybe this group of people or this individual? So I guess kind of where I'm going is like, am I on here? And I guess what I'm curious about is how do you recommend an organization? Yes, we need systems and technologies, but like how would an organization even begin in taking the first step to measure outcomes, not just outputs? You're doing a great job of articulating this because the answer is, Yes, you would be defining this on an individual basis. That's where your stories of transformation come from, right? Yep. We have these people coming through our program. So if we think about a program like some kind of pipeline, they start at the beginning of the program. They receive the service that your nonprofit provides. They end at the end of the pipeline. And then we're just tracking what does their life look like afterwards, right? How effective was our program for serving that one person? And when we start doing this in mass, we can start seeing 10,000 people have gone through this program and what does their life look like? And we can aggregate all of that together. Now, if you want to think of a great example, World Vision, they do a marvelous job tracking mm-hmm. outputs where they can actually quantify the social return on investment for every dollar given to the organization. Wow. And so that's where we start going to sort of like level five, right? If we want to use that term, like we've gone from level one is we have a theory of change. We know what activities we do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis that yield the outputs that we need. So outputs are really important. Please don't Mm -hmm. hear me say anything disparaging about outputs. We have to have outputs because outputs yield outcomes. So what matters is like this waterfall effect of what I do on a daily basis. So I've got to attract and convert people into my program. Then I have to treat them. Then I have to deliver on what I'm doing for them. But then I need to track how does it improve their quality of life? How does it improve 
whatever metric we're going by, and I want to put a quick little thing in there. There are a lot of tools, so academically backed, research validated survey tools, focus group tools, economic metrics that exist. This is not something that anyone should just make up. Like our academic community, this is what they do. They create tools that serve the greater good. And so there are a lot of tools that exist that you can use and modify for your nonprofit. That's what we help people do is find the right kinds of tools and measure that effectively. But then we can see, great, I ran this one person through our program or pipeline. We have the activity that went along with that, the outputs that went along with that, but now I'm tracking the outcomes. What does their life look like now? Use the housing example. Well, they have secure housing. Well, that has mm-hmm. an economic benefit, right? There's a reason why our government, you know, encourages homeownership. I mean, it has a significant benefit to the economy. We can derive some economic data there. Well, they also have secure food. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, they have a steady job. Well, what does that mean for their family? How many lives are touched because of our program? That family mm. of four, that's a lot, right? And then they have other family members that are benefiting. So we're trying to create momentum around positive impact. And that's why this waterfall kind of analogy of activities that I do every single day, that yield outputs, that yield outcomes is so important. And it really is that spectrum that you're talking about with how far zoomed in do we want to go on an individual basis and how far zoomed out can we go to sort of analyze a region if possible. Yeah, you're talking really powerfully, I think, about kind of the new era of sophistication in data and measurement that I think the sector is starting to move towards. Mm -hmm. And honestly, how I think about it in terms of the lens of a donor is I feel like we've moved from transactional giving to transformational giving. Absolutely. Right. So, you know, instead of saying high urgency, we have this need, a shelter was shut down in the city and we have a net additional 2,500 people that need a roof over their heads tonight, give today to help us provide this. That's the one-time transaction, high urgency need, but like, what's the long-term transformation? And I think ultimately like that's right. Like that's also the heart of responsive. Like that is how we respond in kind to the greater need. It's also looking at impact through not just like a one-time instant lens, but over the course of like a, a long period of time. Absolutely. Beautiful. Donors yeah. want to give. Donors yeah. want to co-create impact with you. If there's this idea that, oh, I need to be transactional, I need to pitch this a certain way. I get that. But it's also really important. Obviously, Brian, you get this better than most. It's like people want to be generous. They just need to trust you first. So this is the whole conversation around trust. What kind of data do you have to back up why I should trust you? And then what kind of stories do you have for me that really back that up even further? And then where do I fit in this world? Am I just a bank to you? We have a great team member. She brought this up with a client. She's like, our donors aren't bank accounts. They're not ATMs. Let's talk to them like valued partners. Like We need to communicate how important they are to the world you're trying to co-create together. And that changes the whole conversation. It's just, it turns into a much more enjoyable and fun dynamic and dialogue. I love that. What's your sense on, I think like trends we've seen around like cause loyalty versus mission loyalty. Do you see a correlation between deeper direct mission loyalty with organizations that are adopting measuring their social impact versus organizations that maybe that see more abysmal donor retention rates because they haven't adopted this? Like, do you see trends and patterns there? 
Absolutely. This is not to ring the bell, right? This is not to, yeah. be, to be scary, but this is why we, we do what we do. It's the kind of thing where donors are leaving in droves, right? Mm-hmm. Second generation donors are like, yeah, we're not going to, let's just say from family foundations, second generation family foundation funders are leaving other organizations because there's really no reason, right? I didn't have a connection with this development officer like my parents did. Why should we continue giving? Or millennial and Gen Z donors who see themselves as change makers, they need to be affirmed that they're change makers and they need to know that their after-tax dollars are making a significant difference. This is not to, you know, just ring the bell. It's just the invitation to the returns are disproportionate to the effort required to get the data. Mm-hmm. It's just lead when we talk about responsive, and that's why I love love this conversation. It's This is what outside research has confirmed that people are looking for. So they are looking for long-term impact data, any kind of short-term, mid-term, long-term impact data, stories of transformation in their place in your world so that they can feel engaged. They need to be made a part of the story because donors see themselves as the hero of the story, right? We Mm -hmm. all see ourselves as our hero of our own story. So let's not fight that. Let's just encourage it because that's reality. And so Mm -hmm. just inviting them into that story more effectively and appropriately. This episode is brought to you by Virtuous. Ready to get more responsive and increase your mission's generosity in 2023? Download the Virtuous Dynamic Campaign Starter Pack and get exclusive access to everything you need to create dynamic donor journeys and responsive multi-channel fundraising initiatives to engage new donors. Visit virtuous.org slash LP slash dynamic to download your copy today. That's virtuous.org slash LP slash dynamic. I want to get to talking about like the donors, the hero, the hero's journey. Like there's a whole marketing conversation piece here. But before we do, I'd love to slow down and just help folks better understand. Okay. I know my outputs, but we don't quite have outcomes yet, right? right? So we're kind of talking about this, like, it's essentially a maturity model around how how do we get there? So where do folks start? Where do they start with collection of these stories and impact? Like, what does collecting and storing data look like? What are some low-hanging fruit ways where folks can start? Let's absolutely go there. And let's go as deep as you want to, because I, I love sharing this information. So it's just a maturity model, like is what you're saying. So this is not developed by Social Impact Solutions. This is a great group by the University of Utah at their uh, business school. It's the Sorensen Impact Center. So I want to give credit to where credit is due here. Wonderful group doing one. It's at their MBA program. And they have this whole spectrum of impact. It's literally what they call it. Mm-hmm. And that begins with your theory of change. They need to know, okay. What are you trying to accomplish? So level one of that spectrum is theory of change. And the reason why it's a spectrum is because you're trying to measure how true do we know our claims to be. Theory of change, it's literally the first level. So you have very little certainty that you're actually creating a legitimate social and economic impact. This is just what you're aiming for. Now, mm-hmm. stage two is we're talking about KPIs. And so what are the actual outputs that our organization is creating? So that really is, you know, level two. Now, level three, we're starting to track outcomes. And so now we're starting to survey. We're starting to follow up. I love pre-post surveys for certain types of nonprofits. If you're in human services, pre-post works marvelously. 
It's the kind of thing like, let's take a baseline assessment of where somebody is today, according to peer-reviewed, research-validated tools, like where are they at today? And then at the end of our program, where are they now? And mm. so six months, 12 months, nine months have gone by, whatever the timeline is. How much did their life improve according to these validated research-backed tools? So a survey, let's just use a survey. It's like going to the doctor and you take some blood work and they say, hey, you're sick. When whatever the blood work comes back, let's get you on this protocol. We're going to give you these medications. We're going to give you on these lifestyle changes. After a year, you take the same assessment. They do your blood work again. You're like, hey, you're better. You've improved. You've improved by this much. We still have more work to do, but you've improved by this much. Now, level four and five is getting more sophisticated, right? Level four and five is where you really start to get into, we're getting into the academic side of the conversation. So just to give you an idea, level five is randomized control trials. So where that Mm -hmm. is where you are probably partnered with some kind of academic institution where they're going through and doing very, very thorough analysis of your nonprofit's work. That's where you can start to see the world visions of the world. Absolutely, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, they do a great job of RCTs, randomized control trials. That is the really, really big organizations that can pay for these funding institutions to do heavy, heavy research. And the thing is, most funders, the vast, vast majority of funders, just need to know you made it to level three. They just need to know okay. you're tracking stuff. They just need to know that you have, you're tracking your outputs, that you're making improvements. That's what they really want to see, that you're making changes and that you're actually tracking outcomes too. Mm -hmm. There's a fear in the nonprofit space that what happens if I measure this and it's not positive? There's a Mm -hmm. huge fear and they pull back. And we've, we've had clients that are like, we are terrified to publish any information. And the reality is donors only care that you're trying, right? You have gone out and said, I want to solve this really, really big problem by starting a nonprofit. They don't expect you to have all the answers, right? They don't expect for you to know everything. They don't expect for you to get it right on your first at bat. They just want to know that you're making significant effort. I also think the other side of the coin is like, again, it's bringing it back to responsive. It's using data to learn, which then changes your input. So I'm actually curious, like, I guess from my point of view, if I were a nonprofit, I feel like I would want to actually know what inputs don't deliver results, what inputs aren't driving impact. Do you have any case studies or have you seen like real actionable stories where those learnings from data have actually resulted in a dramatically changed or reinvented programmatic input? Absolutely. Absolutely. I won't use any client information on this because we keep everything super just under wraps on that. But the, so Duke University, they have a great program. It's the Center for the Advancement of Social Enterprise, so CASE, and they have fabulous people running that program. I cannot say enough great things about about the team running CASE at Duke University. But they published a paper with Vision Spring. And this is published. This is not inside baseball. This is published, widely available information. So I'm not sharing any secrets to the organization. And so Vision Spring provides eye care, eye surgeries, all sorts of wonderful, wonderful services for people affected by poor eyesight. And they started off working in India. They developed a great model, super sustainable, just grew like gangbusters. Great, great program. Then they said, let's take this same model and apply it to Central and South America. They started off, I think, in Guatemala and it didn't work, right? They spent $10 million trying to make the model work. And they were really scared that they were going to go to their donors and be like, hey, sorry, we just burned through $10 million. 
could you please give us some more? And the feedback from their funders was, I can't believe you're measuring this. Number one, props to you, you're incredible. You're as incredible as we thought you were. Number two, what did you learn? And they said, well, we learned that, you know, I think it had to do with like retail locations and how they were going to switch up their program, that this program model, like people need the service, but the way we are trying to deliver it doesn't work. Here's what we suggest instead. And the donors came back and I wanna say, they doubled the amount of wow. investment so they could pull off what they were going to do in Central and then eventually South America because they want to fund change because funders mm. of that size, of really of any size, they get how hard scaling is, right? They've been there. It's hard. You learn a lot. You get kicked in the teeth every single day as a nonprofit leader. It's hard work. And so they respect that and they want to help you create that change. Wow. That's like a beautiful articulation of input data changed the narrative to the donor, which was delivered with transparency, which then actually changed the new input with a different outcome. That's worst beautiful. case scenario That's beautiful is not stuff. learning. The worst yeah. case scenario is you don't do it or you do it and you choose to ignore it. That's worst mm-hmm. case. Mm-hmm. Best case scenario is you learn and improve, which is what we always have to do in every walk of life. We have to learn and improve. This is just a way to do that. Beautiful. That's such a great story. I love that you shared that. So we've started collecting our data, right? We're like starting to better understand the outcomes. As we move along this maturity model, let's actually dive into like how this applies to messaging, communications. Maybe we can even talk about the donor journey. Absolutely. So like, can you start to dig into and parse through Like, how do we think through the donor journey as we get more accessible mission impact related data? I love this question. I love this question. I love marketing. I love fundraising. I love impact data. It's like, this is where all the magic happens. So if we want to talk about the responsive model, like where does fundraising occur? It occurs in responding to the needs, desires, wants of your donors with what they're actually looking for. Now, the great news is we know what they're looking for. They're looking for stories of transformation and data for social and economic impact data, any kind of theory of change data and where they fit. And so it is to our benefit and is absolutely on our responsibility as marketers and development officers to just approach them the way that they want to be approached as valued, valued members of this ecosystem that play a pivotal role. And so let's just pretend we're talking about a brand new donor who's just entered your database. Right, they attended an event, maybe they didn't give, maybe they did give, but this is their welcome to the organization. Mm. How are we going to talk to them? Now, how are we going to welcome them to this ecosystem, to this movement that we've dedicated our professional lives you know, to sustaining and galvanizing and growing? This is so important because we want to welcome them by making it very, very clear the important role that they play in advancing this cause. And what they really want to see along with that invitation, with the invitation to help advance the cause, is the good that's already been done in Impact Data, Stories of Transformation, and the good that we will do together, future impact. Like This mm. is what we're trying to do. So cast that vision of success early. Welcome donors. I mean, just think about the amount of organizations that you've given to, and maybe you got a thank you email. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I hear from funders all the time, Like, wow, I was so impressed that somebody actually sent me a thank you email. Like, what an opportunity to go above and beyond using email automation, right? Mm, We we mm -hmm. can fire and forget, put this together with great CRMs like Virtuous. It's like, let's put 
this whole responsive magic together. Let's put in these stories of transformation. Let's put in the, the impact that we've created thus far, but the direction that we're going to go, what we hope to accomplish together. So inviting them, like, you are a change maker. You're incredible. We've been able to do this over the last 10, 15, 30, however many years. But this is where we're going, and we can't wait. We're so thrilled to have you on board and so grateful for the way that you're giving to this organization. Mm, that's beautiful. Well, I actually, it's funny that you use the attended an event for the first time analogy. I actually have a friend who he attended his first gala about two months ago. Okay. And he calls me after, oh my gosh, like, Incre- like incredible speakers, incredible experience, like the conversations and connection I had with people that had the same passion points of me, like around the dinner table. I mean, he's just like on fire. It's the Monday after he spent a Saturday night there. Right. And then I don't hear from him for a month and he texts me a month later and he goes, man, I just heard from the nonprofit. Oh, it just breaks your heart. It's right? just, breaks it's your just heart. like, yeah. Right. And so it's like, you're talking about creating there's not just a theory for change. There's also systems for change. Right. And it's like, how are you segmenting, understanding, not just an individual donor or someone in your database, but how are you understanding the trends of groups of people in your database so that you can respond more timely, more effectively, more personally, because if that organization had captured him on Monday afternoon, I guarantee you that the outcome from the input would be much different. Just think about a thank you series. Just think about a video series. Thank thank you so much for taking your precious time, your most valuable asset, attending this, and we've got a five email series, whatever it is, right? We can talk about different approaches to that. Just thanking them for being involved. But if there were other development officers that were there, I could say, hey, man, this guy's fired up. He is thrilled to be a part of this. Putting that into their notes so that when they follow up into the quarter, whenever they would do their follow-ups, they know who they're talking to. Mm-hmm. And they know they are talking to a galvanized potential donor, someone who is inspired, someone who's ready to become more involved, someone who wants to give. They want to give you money. Right? They absolutely want to give you money. It's just a matter of how do we nurture that relationship in a respectful way that mm-hmm. is just, it's appropriate. It's what they want. You're giving people what they want when you give them that kind of experience. Yeah. It even reminds me, you know, like back when I was a fundraiser, I feel like I say this a lot. It's sort of like the drum that I'm beating, but I feel like for every organization I ever worked for, I showed up for the cause, but what really kept me going as a fundraiser was I stayed for the donors because, right. Because, and I'm just talking like a one-to-one level, like really, really basic. But the thing that I started to learn was when you could really powerfully connect a donor to that mission transformation, the fulfillment that they saw in their own lives, like their transformation was also the mission. These are like crazy statistics, but like I worked at a nonprofit who like our only focus was empowering and engaging people between the ages of 15 and 24 to give and volunteer. Our average donor was 16 years old. Wow. But now that I'm kind of reflecting back and thinking about those young donors who were defining themselves, their identity, their legacy, their reason for how they want to show up in the world was connected to our mission. Like the really beautiful thing is like, I literally maybe a month ago was emailing with a donor who I knew when she was 17, I believe, 
She's gone on to found her own nonprofit. They've been up and running for 10 plus years. They're established driving impact, but like her ability to have that transformation herself in partnership with our mission and the good that she saw herself doing actually changed the whole trajectory of her life. And like, that's like, to me, when I think about like my life as a fundraiser, like that's where the magic was. I mean, it was just, it was unbelievable. But just think about that, right? I mean, just think about that one story. So we've been talking about the impact of your programs, right? So we've been talking about quantifying the impact of your program, having a theory of change for your programs. We can talk about what's the impact that we're having on our donors, right? Mm -hmm. So I mean, we're quantifying a different audience, but it's still a similar concept. It's like, what is the actual impact of our, our donor relations? Mm -hmm. But to your point, Ryan, like that's where everything changes when a, a nonprofit leader, nonprofit leadership can start to view like, Number one, this is something that people want to be a part of. People want to make a change. They want to make a difference. People are willing to dedicate their lives to it. People are willing to give their most precious asset to it, their time. Their money they give their money yeah. to it. They're fired up. And all they want is a little bit of transparency, a little bit of just show me the real. Just be real with me. And that's what millennials and Gen Z, they are starving for real. Like that's what mm -hmm. they are starving for. Give me the truth. It doesn't have to be pretty. You don't have to put makeup on it. You don't have to you know, put lipstick on a pig. Like, just tell me what it is. Yep. And the more transparent and the more authentic and raw, we see it serving people very, very, very well with our client base. And we're thrilled to see that. Yeah. And even the trends we see at Virtuous are like when you can communicate and connect more personally and authentically with that transparency, like we are seeing the turning tide in giving statistics. We're seeing donor retention increase by 10 to 12%. We're seeing an increase in giving in 10%, right? Like really, really interesting trends around how you approach building relationships. And it doesn't just have to be, to your point, it doesn't have to be one-to-one. -one. It can be scaled via email marketing and automation. That scaling of personalization and of hyper-personalization is actually what's fueling net new generosity in our world. And if people don't feel, I mean, you're saying 10%, that's a huge number. I think that's what people might not walk away understanding. It's like, oh, well, it improves it by 10%. Please hear, like, that is a monumental shift. If any business owners are like, hey, if I start this new practice, it's going to increase profitability by 10%, they're going to fall over themselves trying to install that new thing. Yeah. Now, nonprofit leaders, I strongly recommend doing the same thing. Like, if this is going to yield that kind of return, just in year one, right? Imagine what this looks like after year five. When you're building a robust system around net new generosity, increasing donor lifetime value, your most important metric for long-term sustainable growth. And just thinking about that, it really is about how do I build systems that capture this information, that respond to donors in the way they want to be spoken to, mm -hmm. the way they want to be engaged with. It's worth the effort. It's worth switching to CRMs. It's worth establishing new new systems and processes. It's worth the effort. Mm. There's a few pillars that you've talked about that I think lend itself to making real transformational changes holistic, and it covers a few different areas. So I just kind of want to recap, right? Like you started with with measurement and impact. Measurement and impact changes how you market and how you create hyper-connection, that hyper-connection transforms your funding levers, 
and what comes in from a funding perspective, that's all grounded in people and technology. And I think that something that maybe we haven't touched on is the people component. And I think something that Social Impact Solutions talks a lot about is organizational clarity. So can you also just go into a little bit of detail on the importance like between these five pillars, measurement, marketing, funding, technology, and people? Like, What is the vitalness of your internal people as it relates to organizational clarity? Yeah, I think that's a great point. And you're referencing the fundraising quiz that we have, where you just like evaluate where are we in the spectrum? I love that you use that term, spectrum, continuum, whatever term you want to use for it, because it's really helpful. And what it boils down to, and this is, again, you know, we keep going back to this, why we love impact data so much, because it aligns all stakeholders. The reason why donors give, not our opinion, this is widely researched, the impact data. The reason why employees leave you know, corporate accounting jobs and take a job as a you know, bookkeeper, accountant, CFO, controller for a nonprofit, impact data. So the reason why your employees have left whatever corporate workforce to join your organization is the impact your organization creates. Volunteers give you their time because of the impact. All stakeholders give you their time because of the impact. People that you pull into your programs serve because of the impact that you create. Mm-hmm. And so the people component is so just critical here because when we know what we're trying to accomplish and we can articulate it well, we can galvanize all these different people groups differently. We can galvanize them the same way, but we might speak to them differently because we're asking donors to give you resources and buy-in. We're asking volunteers to give you time. We're asking employees to give you their working life to your organization. And so we really want to hit that organizational clarity because it is that hyper-specific, what are we trying to accomplish? I think an organization that everyone has heard of being Charity Water. I believe Mm. there's a lot of reasons to love Charity Water. One of which is no one's confused what they do, right? They are providing clean water for people around the world. Now, they raise a lot of money and they've got their different methodologies for doing that. They grant it out. I have no problem with that, but they have their business model. I know exactly what they do. World housing. I know exactly what world housing does. Mm-hmm. I know exactly what they're trying to create. I go to their website and in three seconds, I know what they're trying to accomplish. That can't be said for at least 75%, 85% of nonprofit wow. organizations. If I go mm-hmm. to your website and I don't know who you are, how you make the world a better place and the mission that you have to back that up in three seconds, five seconds, you're out. That's what website users give you. That's the time that they give you. What are you trying to accomplish and the impact that you're going for? That's what brings them in. That's what hooks people into getting bought in. Mm, Beautifully said. Now, you folks have created a wonderful resource that actually helps nonprofits measure, uh, no pun intended, where they are on this spectrum that we've talked about in terms of their level of fundraising efficiency. And it does, this quiz does cover these five pillars, organizational clarity, measurement, fundraising, marketing, and technology. And I think the outcomes from what you've created actually provide a lot of clarity that help give recommendations on, oh, this is where we're really strong and this is where we have opportunity for improvement. So do you want to just share with folks a little bit more about that quiz, where they can find it? We'll include the link in the show notes. I just think it's a great resource for folks to get started on measuring their social impact. Well, it's a really fun fundraising quiz. It only takes you like two minutes, maybe three minutes. So it's at fundraisingquiz.org. And it does exactly what Brian was just talking about. It's an assessment, right? We've been talking a lot about assessments. That is the basis of measurement, right? I can tell myself I'm trying to lose weight. 
But if I never weigh myself, I'll have no idea if, I, if I'm actually where I'm starting and where I'm going to end up. And when you go to fundraisingquiz.org, again, quick two and a half, three minute assessment to where you can really see where are we leaning. And I will say this across the board, not trying to be too simplistic or binary. Most organizations fall in one of two categories. They are marvelous at measuring their impact. They're really, really great at measuring impact. And they know their numbers and they are taking care of as many people as they can. And they're making a big difference. But they're not doing a great job at raising money. Then there are other organizations that are fabulous at fundraising. They just do the best job of fundraising, but they don't have any impact data to show for it. Both are extremely important. That's oftentimes why large fundraising organizations subgrant out money because it's more efficient. That's great. There's nothing wrong with it. They still have to report the impact of the money that they subgrant out though. And that is the sort of the crux of where a lot of organizations find themselves like, hey, we've granted all this money away, but we don't know the difference that it's making. Mm-hmm. Where at the same time, you've got these great impact focused organizations. They just don't have the systems and processes for raising lots of funds. And so we see that split very, very consistent, where it's like, yes, we have a great theory of change. We are measuring outputs, we are measuring outcomes, but we haven't acquired a new donor in six months. Mm. We have some opportunity for growth over here is the point. And yeah. so our mission is to help organizations build robust systems around their impact measurement, around their marketing and their development, because they all three must work in sync with one another. Operations, impact, to operations, fundraising. Mm. Could not agree more. So that's just as a reminder, head on over to fundraisingquiz.org if you want to take the quiz today. And I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. We ask all our guests the same question. Here at Virtuous, we're on a mission to help increase global generosity. What does generosity mean to you personally? Love the phrase. We're on a mission to create global generosity. That was such a great impact statement. So generosity to me means intentionality, right? It means we are intentionally trying to create change. That's what I love about Virtuous, what I love about responsive fundraising, the tech that you guys have built out, because it enables generosity. So when we're intentional with measuring our programs, wow, marketing becomes an easy, easy conversation. We are intentionally measuring the outputs and outcomes of XYZ program around the world. Well, all of a sudden, your marketing team is flooded with content that they can be creating because they have endless stories of transformation and they've got impact data coming out of their ears. Whereas most of the time, Marketing is begging their, their operations team, hey, what can you tell me of what's been going on the last six months? Because I've got you know an interview report that I need to write, and we have impact reports that we're trying to write, and we have a fundraising gala that we're about to host, and I've got nothing. Mm-hmm. Help me out. So when we can be intentional about what we're doing, marketing and development teams, that's why we love writing donor scripts, fundraising scripts, all that. It's like, hey, rock and roll. Go raise as much money as possible because you've got the data to back up the justification for the ask. Mm, beautifully said. John Mark, thanks so much for your time. Thank you for all the incredible work that you do at Social Impact Solutions. And thanks for all the lift and visibility that you're giving to nonprofits across the sector so that they can better measure their impact, better connect with their donors in order to have more of a transformational impact for not only their mission, but the world. Brian, thank you. Love what you and the team are doing at Virtuous. I'm super grateful to be here. Thank you. And that's a wrap, folks. Thanks for tuning in this week to the Responsive Nonprofit Podcast. We are so grateful for your time. We know how busy you are and consider it a privilege to journey alongside you as you work to make change in our world. 
We believe in you and would love to hear from you. Projects like this are only as good as the feedback we get, the guests who come on, and all the topics we get to discuss. So if you have an idea, if you know of an impactful guest that must come on the show, or if you want to be a part of the responsive community, check us out over at virtuous.org backslash podcast and join the conversation. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite station. Your mission needs your collective talent and passion. So go forth and lead the charge forward and we'll be here cheering you on. We'll see you next week.